Okay, I'm gonna, we're looking at 1 John. Uh, you say, oh, you're going to finish off the rest of the chapter? Hardly. <laughs> no, we're going to get from uh, verse 12, and we're going to go all the way to 17. But I'm going to read from verse 1 to 17, just by way of context, okay? And then we'll jump in on verse 12 and go from there. Okay, 1 John chapter 2, My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for us only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. But he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word is in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought also, ought himself also, so to walk even as he walked. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brothers in the darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. I read unto you, little children, because your sins have forgiven you for his name's sake. I read unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but it, it is, is of the world, and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Let's pray. Lord, we got a, we got a lot. we got a mountain of stuff to cover this morning. And not enough time, as usual, to do it. Spirit of God, take the words said here this morning, your word and might find a home in our hearts and change us. We don't want to walk away without taking this word up and actually living it out. But my words are going to fall short. My words don't change lives. Your word does. So we pray you bless your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I write unto you little children because your sins are forgiven for you in his name's sake. He's going to go through this twice, and he's not going to do it in the order you'd think he'd do it. Little children, young men, fathers, right? He goes, little children, fathers, young men. And he does it twice. He goes through this cycle twice. And the, 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 the tendency is to put yourself in a category. And I think, like, you know, as I read that, I, I kind of do that myself. And I would say, go ahead and do that. But it's not a guilt thing. I don't think this is drive-by guilt. You know, John is very forthright, and he says things the way I, oh, you say you love God, you hate your brother. Well, that's a lie, and you're a liar. He does that. But I think it's a question of self-examination. I don't think he's trying to, we say, we use the word tough love. I don't think he's trying to put anyone down. Now, everyone here is a child of God, uh, if you've been born again, if you've asked Christ to save you. 
and it's, he's writing unto you little children. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a bad term. It's not like uh, it's born ones. We we told we talked about that before, and in the, the way he uses it, born again ones. I'm writing unto you because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Now I want each one. I'll point to you, and you stand up, and I want you to recite all your sins that Jesus has cleansed you from. Right? Susan's smiling because she knows I would never do anything like that. And if I did, you'd wouldn't do it. You'd say, there's the door, I'm out of here. But just think about it. Reflect on it. Because if I started listing mine, I wouldn't get up and walk out. You all would. You'd say, now who are you to teach us? Because it is a, it's quite a list. It's ghastly. And guess what? He's paid the penalty. He's, he's, when it says he's forgiven us, he's dismissed your sins. Okay, sins, I won't be needing you anymore. You're free to go. And we know from other scriptures, what has he done with our sins? Well, he's, he's cast them into the depth of the ocean. The ocean's deep. If he cast them into a mud puddle or even a lake, they might surface again. But no, they're like way down in the Marianas Trench. They ain't coming back up, okay? He's removed them from us. As far as the east is from the west, we know this. Scripture tells us this. Now, you know, you can go north only so far, and then you're going south again. You might meet up with your sins again. You know, that's kind of the idea. But no, no, no. He's taken our sins, and he's removed them as far as the east is from the west. You can go east forever. You can go west forever. You're never going to run into your sins again. He's taken your sins, and he says, listen, listen. Try this on for size. Let's just kind of just, just think about this and just kind of let it wash in your mind. Your sins and iniquities I will remember no more. So we're standing before God, and there's a judgment to be sure. Um, uh, we talk about the Bema Seat of Christ, and he's going to bring up all these, he's going to rub my nose in all the wickedness that I've been involved in my whole life. I would suggest no. I would declare no. What does the cross mean anyway? What is verses like, I ran into your little children, Adam and company. Put your own name there. I ran into you because your sins are forgiven you. For your sake, well, yeah, but not in the context. For his name's sake. This is what I do. I'm a savior. I save. And I do it very well, Jesus would say. I do it tremendously well. I do it so well, your sins... They're not around anymore. That's how well I save. That's how well I cleanse you from your sins. They're never going to be brought up again. Now that's that's a that's a place for an amen or so. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. So every time we have communion, we we rehearse in our mind what it is He saved us from, and we're thankful anew. We think like, "You are mighty. You are incredible. You are like, there's no God like you." Listen, there is no God like Him. Think about religion. You're going to do more good than bad? Yeah, good luck. On your best day, good luck. But whatever religion you choose, what other God takes care of sin? I think it was either Plato or Socrates, or one of those old dead Greek guys who said, I, I don't see how the divinity, how deity could forgive sin. I do. <laughs> I'm smarter than Plato. So are you. He does it through the cross. 
sins are dealt with, they're taken care of. Isn't that awesome? I could spend all day right there, but I, I'm mindful of the time. I run to you, fathers, because you have known him from the beginning. In, our, in Jesus in John 17, in his high, high priest intercessory prayer, he says this, this is eternal life, that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. He's speaking to the Father, he says, you know what eternal life is all about? Them, the saved, the redeemed, knowing you. I've said this since only a million times. It's all about knowledge of God. It's all about walking with God. It's all about fellowship with God. It's all about representing God. It's all about knowing God. That's the whole thing. That's the whole... And that's the end result, and it's a wonderful end result. You're not going to know him perfectly, but I hope you know him more than you did a week or two ago or a month or two ago. And he's constantly, I've said this before, and I don't want to act like super spiritual when I'm, when I'm not. If you're quiet before him and you want to learn of him, he's talkative and he's willing to reveal himself. And, and it's, not, it's not discovery. You guys tried discovery with God? It's not discovery, it's, re, it's revelation. He reveals himself to us. Now he'll do that through his word. He'll do that through the preaching of his word. He'll do that even in the natural. Last week, uh, we went to Pemaquid Point. Suze loves Pemaquid Point. And uh, I love her, so I go. I don't like the traffic. I'm not, and I'm not a beach person in waves, and it doesn't do it. She's astounded. She looks out, and she's connecting with the divine. I know that she's having a time with God, and I can see it in her countenance. And she combs the beach and looks and rocks and looks out and just sees majesty. And I think, yeah, I see that. Even in nature, and I'll hold that idea, we'll come back to it. There's a, there's a knowledge of God. But I think in his word more than anything else, I see the word and I, and I see the way it, it, it works. And I think like, oh my goodness, you're incredible, God. You're awesome. You're in, and I know him more and more. And I, especially I love the Gospels. You know, we all do. Wednesday night we're in uh, Matthew and we just finished the Olivet Discourse. Now he's headed to the cross, the upper room, and, and that all is going to play itself. And it ends in the resurrection. And then I'll give the ending away in Matthew. And then he says, okay, now that all these things happen, go tell everybody about it. And he gives us the Great Commission, does he not? And we read the Gospels and you, and you, you fall in love with Jesus. To know him is to love him. You, you look at all the... He just, he just does good constantly. He helps out. He's... He's a friend of sinners. He's his life is impeccable. You 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 read him and it's just and the knowledge that you gain is it's a remarkable thing. People don't love God. I, I just say, well, read the Bible, read the Gospels. You can't not love him. You know what? We sit and we we listen to what somebody says about God that's negative or detrimental. We sit there and stew about that. It's not helpful. It's not, it's not a benefit at all. And we suppose God is something less than wonderful. I don't know why you'd get that out of the Bible. No, he's only good continually. And he's treated you, and he's treated me better than we deserve. I run to you, fathers, because you've known him that is from the beginning. I think of myself like a father. Because I'm a father? No, because I'm older in the Lord. It's 40 years. I mean, you know, that's a big chunk of change out of anybody's life. Even if you live to be like as old as Methuselah. 40 years is still a significant time. And by 40, you should know some things, I think. 
uh, about the Lord. Um, I write unto you young men because you overcome the wicked. When I was a younger man, I thought I was, in the, according to these verses, a young man. And I think I was, but I think I kind of graduated from it. And I, I, I know I was a young man because I overcame the wicked one. I, I got to a place in my life where I wasn't every time some stupid temptation popped up into my brain. I chased after it. After a while, you realize this is fruitless, and it's always keeping me under and oppressed. And I realized how freeing righteousness was. How, you know, I, I, was, I was like you about everything. I, I, I've gone through the same things you've gone through, that you're going through, and I'm still going through those things. I'm still fighting the same battles you're fighting. Hopefully, there's a little bit more success at this time. Because I, I tried all those things, and I said, like, man, this is not, this is empty. This is unfulfilling. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. You know where I got that? From my life. I, I've lived it, and I'm able to share it with you. Listen, you think, I don't, I don't think I'm going to follow God at all. Well, hang on to the bumpy road. Even life, even with God, is difficult. Without God, it's, I don't know how you do it. Good luck to you. I, I don't see it. But I get to that place where I wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, the Word of God got inside of me, kind of affected me, and it started changing me. And I wasn't, like I say, you know, let's not be critical about children, babies. Like I say, they, 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 had, they had some um, Colby and Marie. So I'd take them home in a few days. That's how it works. And they'll put them in there bassinets or whatever, and they'll say, okay, how long will they say, okay, clean up your room? Month at least, right? Maybe a couple of years. How old, how old kids before you make them clean up their room? Seven or eight? They they can mess up their room at two and, you know, do a good job. of the house. When do you hold them responsible to clean up their room? Probably like, what, six or seven, but then you got to help them out, right? you got to show them how to clean up and you got to take them through the, you know, right? You, you give them a little bit of a chance to grow. I think that's that's a natural thing. I, you know, we I don't know if we do that all the way with Christians. In in Christian, I think we have two problems. In America, kids stay we we let them stay adolescents forever. Okay, what I mean is you're 32, you're living in your mom's basement, you're playing Fortnite till wee hours of the morning, and you know in your Snoopy pajamas, and that's that's wonderful behavior. It's fine. There's no problem with it whatsoever. You could stay adolescent indefinitely and we're okay with that spiritually we expect you to like oh you got saved two weeks ago what's your problem why are you still wrestling with that sin and we're very ungracious i think i think we should take those and switch them okay you understand it in in the, in the okay we get we get children right i drive up and there's a, a mom in the here and there's a she got a little four-year-old, he's playing in the sandbox, he's got a Tonka truck, and he's pushing it, and I say he because I'm such a sexist, right? Well, she's, she's poisoned. I don't care. Uh, but if they're making the noise, it's a boy. <laughs> I just, I'm just telling you, because I've never seen a girl going, vroom, vroom. they just don't do that. But boys do, I don't know. Right? So he's pushing that, and he's having a good, and that's, that's, that's something you take a picture of and hang it on your wall. It's a beautiful thing. Wonderful. Now, you drive up, and there's a mom and a 25-year-old, and he's in the sandbox, and he's got his little Tonka truck and the front-end loader and bulldozing the sand around. That's, 
That's very sad. And a little bit creepy, right? I mean, we, we, we're thinking like, this is not good. In the physical, we expect children to progress. We get, we get it. And then, of course, they hit adolescence. They stay there forever. We're, we're, we're weird about a lot of things. Because here's the thing. like um, We don't confer adulthood on our kids ever. There's no mechanism in place to do it. In Jewish society, they had the bar mitzvah and the bat mitzvah if you are uh, a female. Um, and then you're saying, okay, you're a child of the law, you obey God. Now, it's not like you take them home and they're their own person and do whatever they want, but that you confer upon them the status of adulthood, at least as far as the law is concerned. We don't do that. Should we? Well, it's kind of hard to invent something now, and kind of, you know what I mean? But yeah, you should, you should let your kids grow up and even kind of push them a little bit, you know? We try to be always sensitive to that. We try to, you know, be like when the kids are in high school, and we gave them like, you know, some privileges and they could drive and they could have jobs and they could, you know, they keep their grades up. And yes, you can have a license. Oh, you want to drive drunk? Well, <laughs> it's, I don't think either one of them still has. That would go badly for you. Don't worry about the cops catching you. Worry about us catching you and killing you to death. You'll never drive again, you know, just because... You know, and we try to push them along and try to, I think, I think we did. I don't know if we've done a tremendous job with that or not. You can ask them. They'll probably have their own things to say. But we, it's, all, it's on the radar, because I always think in terms of this, like people going from one to the other. And in spirituality, I think we expect people to, one, grow up immediately, or two, it's okay if they don't grow up at all and nothing in between. And I think we're supposed to move from one to the other. Now, I'm not saying this in a guilt way, because I don't think he's saying it in a guilt way. Just assess yourself. Where are you? Where should you be at this point? Because when I, even like 10 years ago, when I was 50, I'd still consider myself a young man in the, in the things of the Lord. And you say, you saved a 30 years of time. Well, it's not exact. I mean, you know, there were some things I was, I, I think I was very far along on some things. I still need some work. Here I am at 60. This, I still need some work. I still need some. But I know the Lord. And I, and I in a way that, listen, um, I have written unto you, verse 14, I've written unto you, fathers, because you've known him that is from the beginning. I've written unto you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abideth in you. You have overcome the wicked one. I'm not 18 anymore, and I understand it. Would you go back there if you could, Adam, if you could trade that? Not in a million years. If I had to lose what I know now, I don't care if my strength has increased tenfold. It's not worth it. Knowing the Lord is a wonderful thing. Being strong is a wonderful thing. Listen, young men are known for the strength. I get it. Yeah, you know what? And this puzzled me. Bodybuilders. That puzzles me. If you're pushing iron and stuff and you're getting all buff and rugged because you want to serve the Lord with all your strength, okay. But I think a lot of people, like, they're, they're, they're in the weight room and, like, now what are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to pose. You look like you lift up a truck. Why don't you find a, some jack that's slipped and pin somebody in these and go flip their truck over? Do something useful. You get all the muscles and stuff, and you, what do you use them for? Well, I'm going to flex. I, I don't get it. Young men, you're strong. Don't waste it, okay? And if you're, like, you want to have those, like, you know, six-pack abs because you're trying to impress the opposite gender, I get that. Okay, I'll give you a pass on that. I get that. I got washboard abs myself. It doesn't show right now. 
because I got a I got a load of towels in there, but I mean, you know. But I understand the whole concept trying to you know look rugged to attract the opposite. I, I get that. I get that. But there's got to be more to it than that. Don't waste your strength on just that. But here, it's not that physical strength he's talking about. He's, you're strong, and the word of God abideth in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. How do I know do I get to young man's status? You're a word of God person, and you're able to overcome Satan. And by, the, by the way, why are you a word of God person? So you're able to overcome Satan. I know a lot of people who just never get to that point where they're always under sin. They never get, they never graduate, they never get there. They're always, and they're doing the same things and the same silly things all the time. How does that work out? You know, not, listen, the word of God. I don't kill you. Say, really? I don't know. I had the same problems you have. I have the same, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm subject to the same things. I've, I've overcome a lot in my life. How'd you do it? I don't know, read the Bible, did what it told me to do. Does the Word of God really change you? Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I, I got saved. I was 1980. That was 40 years ago. This is the 40th time I'm reading through the Bible. I got 39 times under my belt. A lot of those places in the Bible, I'm up to probably 100. You don't think that's going to have an effect on a person? I, I think of the world in, in Bible eyes. I mean, you can't, you can't spend that much time in the Word and have it not affect you. So I'm not, it's not about how awesome I am. It's how, because I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to hold myself up like, as, you know, you should all try to be like me, how awesome I am. No, no, no. The Word of God is awesome, though. And it will cure what's ailing you. It really will. I, I, in, people come in and have like, well, you know, this and this and this. Are you reading the Word? I knew you'd say that. That's the issue, okay? I, I'm not the super smartest. I, I, I know that's the problem. If you spend more time in the Word, God will speak to your heart, and He'll give you the, not only the knowledge, but the power and the wherewithal. He does it. it it's in the, the Word has the, the seed in it. The, the sower plants the seed. Things grow up. Hundredfold uh, return. All right, let's keep moving. Love not the world, neither the thing. Now, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Love the world. Don't love not the world. I thought we were supposed to love the world. But God so loved the world. By the way, that's the same guy who wrote that. I'm confused. And by the way, it's the exact same word. The word is cosmos. Right? Cosmos, we get. Cosmology. Also cosmetics, right? True, Love not the cosmos that God loves. For God so loved the cosmos, he gave his only begotten son, but you better not love it. Now, it totally depends on how he's using it, okay? Because the word world is used different ways. If God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Feel free to love that world. Now, back to uh, Pemaquid Point. Is there lovable things about the world? Do you like sunset? I like sunrises better. I'm a forward thinking. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, um, rainbow still, that makes us all a little bit, I don't know, warm, fuzzy, or uh, I don't know exactly how to describe it. We all love rainbows, right? 
This, this things about this world are very lovable. That's not what he's talking about at all. Feel free to sit there and admire anything in nature that you deem admirable, admirable, and of course, connect the dots back to the creator of that. Don't worship. Don't be a tree hugger for the sake of hugging trees. You'll just be covered with sap and you'll be a sap. I think trees are awesome. I think God's awesome. That's me. Love not the world. Now he's going to define it for us. Okay? He's not talking about the beauty found in nature. And he's not talking about people. Because he wants you to love them. As a matter of fact, verse 10. You're supposed to love your brother. You don't. You're abiding in darkness. You hate your brother. You're walking in darkness. Verse 11. So that's cool. Love the world. We get it. We, we understand that. Love not the world. What are you talking about? Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He still hasn't defined it yet. But I want you to understand this. Loving the world in the sense that he's going to give it is exact opposite of the heart of God. The exact opposite. We have a problem. I think the church of Jesus Christ in America is very worldly. Now what's worldly? Well, depends on who's defining it. I've had people define it as anything I don't like is worldly, okay? It just comes down to my interpretation. I told you before, I was playing softball and somebody told me that was worldly. If Jesus comes for his church and you're playing softball, he's going to leave you right behind. Softball, worldly, okay? Fishing, that's godly because Jesus and his disciples fished. So when Jesus comes back and you're fishing, you're going first. I mean, that's all there is to it. You're doing a godly pursuit, except for Sunday. And you forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Now you ain't, you're getting left right behind, right? Stop it. Just stop it. You know what worldly is? Well, it, it's, it's, a, it's an attitude that's not godly. <laughs> Say, what's godly? Anything pertaining to God that makes me hunger after him, that makes me want to pursue him more, that makes me want to be more like him. And anything that I'm doing that cools that attitude, that, that fervor, that, that hot, intense passion for God, anything that I'm doing, and so I can't really label it because it's not going to be the same for me and it's not going to be the same for you, is it? Sue's walking on a beach. How worldly is that? She was having a time with God. You should have saw her. You should have saw her. You'd say, oh my goodness, that's worship right there. Is she being worldly? I don't think so at all. So it's not the same for each one of us. It just, it just, it won't be. But what, what is, what is, what is worldly? What is it, what is it we talking about? For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Now that's what he's talking about. He's talking about being worldly. He's not talking about don't love people, obviously. God doesn't talk out of both sides of his mouth. And he doesn't, contradict himself here he's saying love the world people i died for them you you should love them and by the way why do you think i'm not racist why do you think i always speak against it because god so loved the world but we know that we're not racist people is there a race problem in america i don't perceive it i don't really think so maybe i'm just moving in circles where it's not a, a really big thing is is Racism bad? Yes, I think we all agree on that. I don't I don't know. Nobody's ever come up at and said, I, I don't like the way you talk about racism. I think there are some second class people out there based on the fact that we're white and they're not. I never had anyone tell me that. 
please don't. You don't want to be the first one. That, that's not going to go real well. But who does that, right? Uh, no, feel, that's why I, I'm not racist. God loves so love the world, right? But this is what we're not supposed to love. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh. Now we think lust and we're thinking in terms of carnal knowledge, lust. That's not what it means. It does mean that, but it means so much more than that. What's the lust of the flesh? Anything that appeals to my flesh. Like, I'll give you a few examples. I can't give you, look at the time, I can't give you, this can't be exhaustive teaching. It never could. But anything that, like, like I want to be loved. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It can be a good thing. But how do I achieve that? Well, I, 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 I post, and I want you to thumbs up all my posts, and I want to, and I, and I, and I tweet, and I need, you know, 200 followers, and then I feel like I'm, you know, because I, I got, the, everyone's listening to me, and I, and, those things in and of themselves, well, it can be a bad, because now I'm going to tweet in such a way, I'm going to post in such a way that I get all the thumbs up. And I don't care if it's true, as long as you like me. Well, the need to be loved is important to us all. Here's how, how I do it. God loves me. That's taken care of. Now I don't have to worry about it. And acceptance, I just, I realize, like, is that a human need? Yeah, it is. So I can't be accepted by everybody because people are pulling in opposite directions. If I say black lives matter, this group over here smiles. If I say black lives matter, this group over here frowns. Because they know all that, what that entails. I'm not against, I'm I'm not for pulling over statues and burning buildings and looting. I'm not. Do black lives matter? All lives matter. Black lives included. All lives matter. I don't, I don't think there's any problem. So if I say this and I post this and I do this and I, you know, I, I can't please everyone, so I just might as well please God. And and if people agree with me, great. So so there's, 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 there's a, the lust of the flesh. So all I do is I wake up in my mind. What do I want? What do I want to do? What do I want to be? How do I want to, uh, you know, and, and my whole life is about like, so if somebody says, what's God's will for your life? I, that's not on the radar. Who thinks of that? You mean you pray before you make it? What are you, ridiculous or something? I want what I want. That's the lust of the flesh. Listen, that's how America lives. That's why Christians are miserable. I'm just telling you, the best, happiest life is service to God. And if you haven't figured it out yet, you're welcome. And I'm not trying to be a smart aleck. I'm telling you, chase after that lust of the flesh. It's a, it, 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 there's never satisfaction, not even for a moment. You know, if I could just get that, what is it? What? The new truck, the nice house, the job, the promotion, the get that girl, get that guy, get that, if I could just have this spouse, if I could just, and then when you get that thing or that person, yeah, this all it is? People climb that mountain, try to get famous, and they finally achieve fame, and everyone knows who they are, and they finally get there thinking, what was I, this all there is? No, I can't even go to the restaurant without being plagued and people trying to pose with me and picture me and chase after the lust of the flesh and you're going to realize how one it's it's against it's against god the 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 lust of the eyes that's how advertisement works and it works good i need that honey i gotta go buy me eight of them i just gotta have them 
well, what is it? Well, because it just, it just, it appeals to the eyes. It's what Eve. It looks good. This fruit. It look, and it's what it's gonna, it's gonna give me knowledge of good and evil. Looks like it tastes good. Just bite right in. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. By the way, that's what she was up against. You notice Satan hasn't changed his tactic at all? Because it's really hot. What he's got is, it works really well. Unless you think it through. I want what I want. Duh. That's why I'm going. That's why I'm going to college so I can get this nice job that I want, that I can get a lot of money, that I can buy the things that I want. Those things, none of those things are bad in and of themselves. If that's what God's directing you, but I don't care if you end up with stacks and stacks of money and toys and wealth and fame, and if God's not in it, it is so empty. It just is. And. The world is passing away. Remember that. I got. I got to close here. Um, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the pride of life is just that pride. Um, that the, you know the same pride that goes before the fall, and the haughty spirit before destruction. And we looked in Second Peter, and we remember that a few weeks back when we were still meeting out there in our vehicles, and we talked about. God resists the proud only 100% of the time. He gives grace to the humble. You want to meet up with God, you meet him in humility. We know, how to, we know how to humble ourselves. Pride of life, it's not of the Father, it's of the world. It's the exact opposite. He's putting a very stark choice between, before us. It's very stark. Here's God's way, here's the world's way. Go ahead and select. Be careful with your selection. You're going to live in the context of your selection. Anytime you're on the way of the world and you think like this is no good, feel free to change. We'll welcome you. We, we won't, I don't, you can come, you can pray, man. I won't give you a hard time. I won't say see, told you. I, I'm not that guy. Uh, you find that God's very gracious and I try to be as well. I'm picking the world at him. I'm, listen, you only go around once in life. You've got to get grab for all the gusto you can. You don't get a, a do-over if you don't like the outcome. I'm going for the world. Well, most do. Even many in churches do. But I want you to understand, the world that you're selecting, it's passing away. And the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Abideth forever has eternal life. I mean, you know, black lives matter. Listen, eternal lives matter. Eternally. I don't think in heaven it even matters what ethnic group you belong to. Who cares? He's going he's gonna to have people of every, of every nation, of every tongue, of every, of every tribe, of every family. We're all going to be there. And you think like, you know, the second class citizens in heaven. Listen, eternal lives matter. Select wisely. Don't Chase the way of the world. It's passing away. It's only going to be here. What do you got? Three score and ten? Or oh, by, by reason of health, you get, you know, four score? Big deal. It's, a, it's, a, it's not even to be 
compared to eternity. And not only that, you get ripped off eternally, you get ripped off here and now. It's not the way to live now. It's living life against life and trying to... Uh, show me somebody who's, who's always, you know, like, oh, I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm going to show you a miserable person. I've seen, I've looked, I've, have you paid attention to what's going on? They're always miserable. They're never, there's never an end to it. There's always, I'm just going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to be miserable forever. That's the way it works. No, I think I want to select God's way. Hey, welcome. When, if you don't know him as your Savior, come up here afterwards. We'll pray. Or you can find somebody to pray with. And you'll find that they're very gracious. Our God is very gracious. He's not an I told you so God. He's not, he's not trying to put you in your place. Or just turn to him and you'll find that he's there with open arms welcoming you. Welcoming you. Okay, that's it. Our time spent. We're going to go over a couple minutes with our last song. So when we stand and we pray, and that's not my worship leader's fault. That's my fault. I run it over at the mouth a little bit. I can be forgiven once, can I? Okay. God's gracious. You be gracious. Okay. Father, we. This is one of those life-changing. It's your word. It's awesome. It really is. I pray would take it to heart. I pray would take you to heart. Would get to know you more, get to know you better, and would be that young man who are, and young women who are overcoming by spending time in your word. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee, be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee, and give thee peace.